Hi, this is Shanda Rubin, and you're listening to Brothers on Tennis. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Isaac. And this is your boy, Bryce. And we are Brothers on Tennis. And folks, today we're bringing to you the review of the King Richard film. And we've got a panel discussion going on. It's We're so excited. And uh, we've got some gentlemen on with us that we are very, very eager to hear their take on this film. And it should be a really, really wonderful discussion. So Bryce, talk to us about uh, the, the, what we're gonna do here today. So we have uh, two guests, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Cecil Harris and Mr. Albert Chen. Um, we're going to walk through and we're going to talk about this movie that we have been anticipating for so very long. And we want to talk about the story and we want to talk about the actors and we want to talk about the plot and we want to talk about audience reaction. We want to talk about all of that. So before we get into it, we want to turn over the mic real quickly to Cecil and Albert for them to give you a brief introduction as to who they are. So uh, Cecil. Thank you, Bryce. I'm Cecil Harris, uh, the author of four books on sports, one on hockey, one on baseball, my last two on tennis, Charging the Net, a history of Blacks in tennis from Althea Gibson and Arthur Ashe to the Williams sisters that came out in 2007, and Different Strokes, Serena, Venus, and the Unfinished Black Tennis Revolution that came out in 2020 during the height of the pandemic. And I've covered a variety of tennis tournaments, including the US Open, uh, the men's and women's indoor championships when they were held at Madison Square Garden, uh, tournaments in Indianapolis. I've been to all four Grand Slam events, and I've been a huge tennis fan since the emergence of the 14-year-old Venus Williams in the mid-90s. Thank you, Cecil, and welcome to the show. Albert! Hey, guys. It's great to be here with you all. I'm a writer, author, and journalist. I spent most of my career at Sports Illustrated Magazine. I'm a producer and writer on All American, a podcast series on sports icons. Season one was on Tiger Woods, and I'm working alongside Cecil on season two, and it's on Venus and Serena and coming out sometime in 2022. So I definitely have an interest in the Williams family, but also just as a big tennis fan, I've been following their story since the 1990s when they first came onto the scene. Oh, wonderful. Albert, thanks so much. And welcome to uh, Brothers on Tennis with, uh, for you as well. Um, I guess I'd like to start off by asking you both about your overall thoughts and sentiment about the movie. I mean, we've had so many tennis movies in the past. And unfortunately, they really haven't measured up. Um, and and, and you, can, you can think about that in a lot of different ways, but there, there's just been a lot of critique on some of the past uh, tennis films, but this one has come out and it has received some really interesting reviews. So very, very intrigued to get your high level thoughts on the film. And uh, Cecil, I'll turn that one to you first, please. Well, I, Isaac, I'm glad the movie was made. And all things considered, I enjoyed the movie because it tells a version of the story of the um, most successful sibling act in the history of sports. It's an incredible sports story when you really break it down. Uh, Richard Williams had a crazy tennis dream. His wife, Orisine Price, bought into it, and they made it come true. And it is incredible that it happened. And to see it reproduced on screen, I have to say that I didn't love every scene, but I'm glad the movie was made. I'm glad that it exists because of what it stands for. More people need to know that, oh, Venus and Serena didn't just come out of nowhere. They didn't become superstars out of, out of thin air or by osmosis. It took a plan and dedicated parents to basically get their daughters on the right track to become the global icons they are. And I particularly love the scenes of them as, well, it, the entire movie, they are children. They, you don't see them as adults, but it's funny to see them in those days, the young Venus and the young Serena and how Venus was a phenomenon in the mid 1990s. And I'm not sure how many people remember that. If you're of a certain age, you're too young to remember the 14 year old Venus Williams. I, I mentioned um, 
uh, to you guys earlier before we started the, the actual interview that I covered the 1992 US Open for Gannett newspapers. That was just an assignment for me. I was watching great players, Martina Navratilova, Steffi Graf, John McEnroe, Andre Agassi, but I had no emotional connection to any of those players. Not until I found out about this 14 year old girl named Venus Williams. So to see that recreated on screen was really gratifying for me. I'm, I'm glad the movie exists and I hope people see it so they can get some insight into how a family that did not have a strong tennis background, nevertheless got into the world of tennis and basically changed the way women's tennis is played. And the younger of the two is the greatest tennis champion in history. It's amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. That great take. Albert, I'll pass it to you. <laughs> what are your yeah, thoughts? no, I'm totally with Cecil in that I am just glad this movie exists. I mean, I think that like America had sort of like taken the story for granted a little bit. I think like, you know, just talking to my friends who have seen it and, you know, not necessarily hardcore tennis people like all of us here. And they just like either didn't know or had forgotten how remarkable and amazing the story is. And I mean, in terms of the movie, two things really stand out to me. Um, I thought the acting was just remarkable. I thought like the performances were, you know, tremendous. And we can talk about sort of how accurate they were. Um, but, you know, I think like all around the four, you know, main characters uh, with the Williams family, I thought they were all just like spectacular. Um, and the second thing is like, I think like in terms of the portrayal of the tennis, um, and we can talk about sort of the accuracy of certain moments and how the approach is with that. But I just felt like, first of all, the, the tennis action I thought was, was very good. Like, and I think that like, I'm generally disappointed by sports movies because there's one or two scenes where, you know, the actor clearly can't really throw a football or, or throw a fastball. Um, I remember there was a tennis movie called Wimbledon a few years ago, or maybe several years ago now. Um, and, you know, I don't even remember. I, the tennis was probably fine, but it wasn't like you didn't, it was, it just like really bothered me that the tennis wasn't great. And I felt like when you were watching these two kids and also, you know, in their matches, the matches, like the tennis, like felt like the tennis was real. It was like really good tennis. Mm -hmm. And I do think that like, it also captured sort of the country club aspect pretty well. I mean, a little bit, some of it was a little over the top, but I do feel like in terms of like the general sort of vibe, I thought they captured that really, really well. Well, Albert, let's let's dig in a little bit on those those characters. And, and one of the things when I first heard about the movie, I think one of the first things we all heard about the movie was that they were looking at Will Smith as playing Richard Williams. And I will be completely honest with you. When I first heard that, I was like, I get it from a box office standpoint, but you know, I'm physically looking at Will and I know you can do a lot with makeup and all that kind of thing. And I think Fresh Prince and I think, you know, and it just it just wasn't jiving for me uh, initially. And then I heard that they ended they had a list. So Will Smith was actually the num the producers, the number one choice they had for Richard. Number two on the list and I, I don't know how often this happens where Denzel is number two to Will Smith, but Denzel was number two on the list. The person that was third was the person that I immediately thought about when I think about, thought about someone playing Richard Williams, and that was Idris Elba. And I think once again, it's just because he, to me, looked the most like Richard. And then I heard the fourth person on the list was, um, that uh, Mahershala Ali, uh, he was number four. So I could see all four, but I will tell you what, I was pleasantly surprised when I actually watched the film because this is once again, another example for me of really kind of understanding uh, that Will is a really good actor. 
And I think he did a really good job of portraying Richard. The one thing that I didn't kind of like so much, and it's, it's really not, I guess, Will's fault. When I see Will Smith, I will always see Fresh Prince. I always see kind of like a, a little bit of a smiley, happy guy, even when he's upset in film, you kind of, that still kind of comes through. I think it's a natural facial type thing that he has. And when I think about those other actors, you know, Idris and, and uh, Denzel and Mahershala, they all have kind of more of a natural scowl or whatever on their face that I think matches Richard a little more. Um, so number one, I'm curious on your guys' thoughts on Will as Richard, but also I want you to specifically talk about, and I hope she doesn't get overlooked, Anjanu Ellis as Orsine. I think she absolutely nailed the portrayal of Orsine, and, it, and maybe not so much always in what she said, but in gesticulations and eye movement, she, you could tell she really studied Orsine's body language and positioning. Um, did you guys feel the same? I, I thought uh, Anjanu Ellis' performance is outstanding. And I hope she gets an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actress and not just an Oscar, Screen Actors Guild, Golden Globes, all the major awards because she's outstanding. But I think she had an advantage over Will Smith in this respect. We don't know a lot about Orsine Price. She's so media averse that Anjanu Ellis, I think, had more of a wider latitude to portray um, Orsine in a way that people can't say, oh, that's wrong. Orsine would not have said that because very few people have actually heard Orsine Price. The New York Times had an excellent Q&A with Anjanu Ellis about a month ago, and she shared this insight. She didn't actually get to speak to Orsine Price. She listened to interviews that the producer and the director taped with Orsine. So that shows how great her acting technique is. She didn't actually get to speak to the woman she portrayed, but by all accounts, she has nailed that portrayal. And, and, and Bryce, your point about Will Smith, I think because we identify him with so many parts over the last 30 years, from Fresh Prince to Men in Black to Ma he played Muhammad Ali 20 years ago. And his wide range over the years that it's easy to, I think, associate Will Smith with another role since we've seen him in so many huge roles. But I think your point is well taken in that Will Smith probably was number one on that list because he's box office. And it's easier to get the green light if Will Smith is attached to the project. Even though Mahershala Ali has two Academy Awards and Will Smith has none, Will Smith has been major box office for decades. Right. Yeah, it's um, those, I guess the three other actors um, you mentioned, I would love to see <laughs> their interpretations of <laughs> yeah. Richard Will. Maybe there's a Netflix series out there where each of them can take like an episode yeah. and just run with it as Richard yeah. Williams. I mean, Richard is such a larger than life figure. And I'm curious to hear what, you know, especially like Cecil, you know, has talked to Richard and just hear about sort of like, you know, how close to, mm -hmm. um, close to the real Richard, this portrayal is. But, um, you know, the thing about, I mean, in terms of like Will Smith versus the other actors, and I guess there's a little Denzel in this too, but like with Will Smith, there's just like that immediate star power and charisma. And I feel like when you're taking on such a role like Richard Williams, like it's kind of a good fit because Richard is such a big over the top um, character. And I think that like, it's sort of like on the one hand, my initial reaction was sort of like yours is like, what? but is this like a real movie? Is this really happening? But, you know, I think like the charisma, it was, it's a charismatic performance. What I was really impressed by was that it also did feel somewhat restrained. Like I felt like, you know, with Richard, there's probably a temptation to you know, take some of the explosive moments and sort of like, you know, that we all sort of remember in terms of just the controversies through the years and kind of run with that persona of kind of like the, you know, the portrayal of him is sort of like the crazy tennis dad. But, you know, I think like we all know that that's not quite Richard at all. And I think that Will Smith's performance, it's, 
it's not really, I mean, it, it is restrained in that it's controlled and it's, it, it really felt real. Now, whether, how close to the real Richard Williams um, it was, you know, I think, uh, you know, other people, including Cecil, are, are much better equipped to answer that, but it felt real and it got to what I think is the point of the movie in that he was a great parent. I mean, he did things a very different way, but I think like what you can feel in this movie is warmth and love. And I think like that's what Will brought to the table. And I thought like, that's why I think it's like a really, it is like, you know, it seems like he's the front runner to win the Oscar and it'll be interesting to see if he, he wins. But I think that um, in that sense, like it felt like a, a very true to sort of this story performance. Right. And, and not to be, you know, missed amongst all these other big names, the, the two young ladies that played Venus and Serena. Um, first of all, when I first saw Serena, if she wasn't a splitting image of a young Serena, I said, does Serena have a kid that we didn't know about? <laughs> I mean, just, just crazy. And then for the young lady that played Venus, I was surprised to learn that she is actually left-handed. So she had to learn. I mean, first of all, it was amazing that she learned Venus's technique as well as she did. Yeah. But then think about learning that with your non-dominant hand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And granted, yes, Albert, like you said, the, the tennis shots were, were probably better in this movie than we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And clearly there was some technology involved uh, mm -hmm. there. But it was about as realistic as you can expect. You can't expect these actors to grow out and play at the level of a Venus and Serena. What did you all think about not only the two young ladies that played Venus and Serena, but any of the other characters? I, Isaac, I know you were a big fan of, of the Rick Macy performance. Yeah, I actually thought Rick Macy's character was just so over the top and he played it so very well. I felt that the combination between him and Richard and their dynamic, to me, that was just, it was, it was really portrayed well. Now, whether or not that was the actual, I, I, I can't speak, speak to that, of course, but I just felt in the movie, I loved that dynamic. I loved Rick's energy. He always seemed to be up. But then there was Richard always sort of he, the, the plan being methodical. I, I really enjoyed their dynamic, I have to say. I want to go back to Bryce. Are you trying to say that there was some CGI maybe with the tennis? <laughs> I mean, that is a, just a, maybe just a little. You know, my, my friend uh, brought that up before I actually watched. And then I watched and I'm like, I'm not sure that there, I mean, the tennis was really good. But um, anyway, that's. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we just have to uh, break yeah. it down in another episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I, think, I think there's a way to take a convincing left-handed serve or left-handed forehand and switch it. So I'm not sure she, the young lady who played Venus, I'm not sure she had to do anything with her offhand. Serve as best as you can left-handed, hit your best left-handed forehand, and we'll do the rest. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, it's key. The props to those two girls because... You have to believe that they are talented when Richard is taking them to see Vic Brady and the coach of John McEnroe and, and, and Pete Sampras. If those girls go on court and they clearly look amateurish, which has hurt so many other movies in the past, you wouldn't buy the rest of it. You have to believe young Venus and young Serena have the potential that we see on screen because in real life, they certainly did. Otherwise, you don't take them on. You don't move the family from Compton to Florida unless you see the potential. And the girls exemplify that. And um, as for Will Smith's performance briefly, because I've had a couple of conversations with Richard Williams that were unorthodox when he chose to leave the stands and take a walk around the grounds at, at the US Open because he was too nervous to watch. I knew that was his habit. So when I saw him getting up, I got up and met him outside and he had two ground rules for me. No recording, no note taking. And in those moments, Richard Williams showed me that he has more tennis intelligence, a much higher tennis IQ than we see from the portrayal in the movies. I'm not saying they portray Richard as a country bumpkin, but Richard Williams knows more about tennis than we see in this movie. In fact, uh, two right. decades, and, 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 decades ago, go ahead, go ahead, Isaac. 
No, no, I apologize, Cecil. I think that the only point I was going to emphasize with what you were saying is, again, they showed him reading the magazines. They showed him really doing his studying and his yeah. research. And so I think, like you were saying, he he definitely knew. It's, it's funny, we always talk about there's so much that they could have dug into in this movie on so many different parts. And I think that's where they kind of scratched the surface when they showed him going to his security job, but he threw out all those tennis magazines and he's doing his research and he's doing his reading. And I think that speaks to your point. Sorry to interrupt you there, oh, Cecil. Oh, that, that's all right. That's all right. Richard was self-taught with mag tennis magazines and VHS tapes and sharing them with Oracine so they can impart that to their daughters. I mean, that is implied. It could have been more forcefully presented, but it, it's fine. I thought Will Smith captured the voice, the inflections, and the physicality of Richard Williams, who is a big man. He's bigger than most of the people with whom he interacts. And Will Smith in the film is bigger than most of the people he interacts with. So Will Smith, I thought, embodied that. But uh, again, Richard Williams knows more about tennis than what we see from him on screen. And that could be, well, the movie sort of ends in 1994. By the time I met him in 2000, that's another six years of tennis knowledge that he has acquired and imparted to his daughters and expressed in, in interviews. And um, I would have liked to have seen more scenes showing, oh, Richard really knows his stuff. Not just, oh, open stance, open stance. It's kind of like, but for comic effect, I, I felt that they, they had him saying that so often, where his, whereas he could break down Venus's game, break down Serena's game, also break down Martina Hingis's game once it got to that point, break down Elena Dementieva's game, Kim Kleiser's game. He knew what the other opponent's strengths and weaknesses were and could impart that to his daughters, which helped them professionally. But, you know, the movie basically ends around 1994. So I guess they didn't want to go into that. Albert, any thoughts on the Rick Macy character or? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, um, the actor John Bernthal, I thought, kind of when the, that character enters the movie, they're just like, <laughs> there's a new energy to it. So I thought like, and then when he's showing them around at the Rick Macy tennis club, um, I think like it's really uh, just fun as a, you know, tennis fan, you know, like he's showing the, the Williams family around and there's John Roddick uh, on the tennis courts. Oh, mm -hmm. by the way, he's got a little brother, Andy. And then you see Jennifer Capriotti on the... Um, on the practice court. Um, and that was just like, you know, I mean, uh, pretty fun stuff. Um, as someone who has talked to Rick Macy, um, I thought that was a pretty accurate take on the guy. Um, you know, I think like there is sort of, um, what, what is interesting is that, um, you know, this was a guy who uh, was one of, was a coach during these very crucial years um, and he was just like out of the picture by, you know, 97 or 98 um, in terms of like his uh, connection to the Williams family. But there was this four year period where he was really um, out on the tennis courts, you know, pretty much every day of the week um, with Venus and Serena and got to know Richard very well. So it was a really interesting decision by the filmmakers to make him such a prominent character. But I think it was ultimately the right decision. And, you know, I think that, um, again, I think like I, the, the actor, you know, I've, I've heard him talk a little bit and how he, just, he doesn't play tennis and he doesn't really know very much about tennis, John Bernthal, Bernthal but, um, but you felt like this was a guy who, you know, he's got that deep tan and that he's out, mm -hmm. spends every day like out on the tennis courts and, and you felt like um, you were really at Rick Macy's Tennis Academy in the 90s. And I do think that like, that's the other thing is like, they really kind of, you felt like you were, um, it did a great job of just like building these worlds, um, not just, <laughs> you know, Florida tennis um, and Compton, but also like, you felt like you were in the 90s with um, right. some of the music and just like the, uh, the, the costume design and all that. So um, right. it, it felt pretty authentic. Yeah, Rick Macy had a 1990s mustache, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and a haircut, too. <laughs> yes, he did. 
But Albert, you touch on something that's very interesting. You know, since we have not seen a major release film on like an Althea Gibson or an Arthur Ashe, this is the first kind of tennis movie, movie about a sport of, let's say, privilege that originates from a, per, a family of color, uh, from maybe a non-affluent family. How do you think the producers, the screenwriter, the director, they did in terms of portraying that type of transition uh, to the bright lights of the professional tennis tour? Well, I think they did a good job in a couple just like key scenes that was probably a very creative screenwriter taking liberties and and creating scenes, but also encapsulating probably the inherent tensions that you're gonna have and that did exist. And there was the one um, scene with the agent, um, two agents, and it was uh, Richard and, um, and uh, one of the coaches. And, you know, Richard clearly just, it's like, I'm, you know, I don't really get this whole sort of like tennis machine, junior tennis, but also sort of like the money and, um, and, and the business side and how, how things sort of, you know, people throwing around money, but that doesn't really make sense. And there was just like a common sense by Richard from Richard that just like, you know, yeah, I mean, on one, the one hand, his plan was kind of like completely uh, revolutionary and different, but on the other, it was just based on common sense. And so like when he has sort of like this face-to-face -face with these agents, it just like, it doesn't really make sense for me to just like, you know, sign these papers and, and put Venus's career and future in your hands. And also mm -hmm. like they did a really good job with the, um, the Nike scene, which I, you know, I probably did it happen then exactly like that? Uh, probably not. But I thought it was like a interesting scene that was well done in terms of just like conveying some of the tensions that were clearly going on around this time period. Um, and the other thing I would say is also just, um, you know, very efficiently, just like with a few sort of interactions between parents and their kids and just like the hard charging sort of overbearing domineering tennis parent and like, you know, the miserable kid um, who had just won a tournament or lost a match or whatever, and just contrasting that with sort of the support and the love and warmth you had from Richard and Orsine. I thought like just, okay, you see Richard and Orsine, but you also see how that is just like so different from your typical sort of tennis parent, um, parents. And I thought that was, it was important to make that contrast. And I thought they did a really good job of that. And Cecil, a question that I had for you is, you know, when I've been reading some of these reviews, some of the frustration from, uh, well, most, well, first of all, let me be very clear. Most of the reviews I've read have been very good, mm -hmm. but for, but for the few that have had something else to say, uh, people who went to this movie expecting for it to be the story of Venus and Serena, where the story ends obviously is well before they become the Venus and Serena that we all know. Um, what were your thoughts on where they decided to end this particular story? Is it, you know, are they leaving room for Venus and Serena to tell their own story? And, or was it just a case of, this is King Richard, this is Richard's story. So what were your thoughts on that? Well, when you see the credits at the end, the three executive producers, Venus Williams, Serena Williams, Isha Price, they wanted this tribute to their father because it was his grand plan to create two tennis superstars, and he did. And while Richard Williams is still around to see this movie and enjoy this adulation, it has been done. There's plenty of time for two separate movies because Venus and Serena are not joined at the hip. We, will, we should eventually see a Venus Williams movie covering the arc of her life and a Serena Williams movie covering the arc of her life. This movie is about Richard's plans for his daughters taking on the tennis establishment as clear outsiders, but him winning the day because he believed in his philosophy, he believed in his daughters, he believed that he did not have to do what 
other tennis parents had to do, which is basically turn their talented teen, their teenagers over to a sportswear manufacturer or high powered agency and let them raise the kids. The Nike scene, although it probably did not happen exactly the way it, it, it's depicted, is extremely powerful because it made me think of what happened to Donald Young when he was 15 years old. And everyone was saying he was the second coming of John McEnroe. Nike signed him to a huge contract, International Management Agency, which represented Jack Nicholas and other powerful big name athletes in other sports, suddenly took on Donald Young as a client. I remember covering the tournament in Miami in 2006 when the 16-year-old Donald Young played a first-round match against a journeyman from Argentina and got blown off the court six love, six love. And then in the next match, the journeyman from Argentina played James Blake and got blown out six love, six love. First time in ATP history in the Open Era that a player won a match six love, six love, and then lost his next match six love, six love. The takeaway is Donald Young didn't belong out there. He was a boy trying to compete against men, but his parents unfortunately signed the contract, let Nike and IMG decide what Donald Young should do. And here we are now at the end of 2021, Donald Young still has not won a professional tournament. He was, I will say, ruined by an unfortunate decision to turn him over to the sneaker companies and the agencies without giving him a chance to grow and mature. Richard Williams did not make that mistake with Venus. Richard Williams made it clear, you don't take the first deal you are offered, you create a bidding war in effect. You get everyone interested, you take the best offer, but only when you're ready to take it. You don't, there's a scene where the uh, Nike says, Nike guy says, what do you need, clothes, rackets? And Richard, I, I've got clothes, they've got rackets, they've got shoes. You know, you're not giving me anything I've, I'm not already given them. So it's important for audiences, especially people of color, to see that when you're an outsider dealing with that predominantly white world, you don't do exact. You don't do what they tell you is best for you. You should come in with some knowledge of what is best for your family. And Richard clearly knew he had a bottom line in mind. So he didn't jump when they were offering things that he had already given them. And you could say, and there's a powerful scene where Orison says, well, you should talk these things over with me. And he should have. And Orison, the actress, Andrew Ellis shines in that scene. Richard tended to be kind of a lone wolf in making these decisions instead of consulting his wife, but his instincts were correct. And it's important for people to see that you don't have to be taken advantage of if you don't come from that strong you don't come from a tennis background, but that doesn't mean you're a country bumpkin and that you're going to be played by these people who are basically often acting like sharks. And they probably thought Richard Williams was done. They probably thought he would take the first offer, which would have turned out to be a low ball offer. And we need to say for the record, Rick Macy asked for 15% of Venus's future earnings and Serena's future earnings. Can you imagine if Richard Williams had agreed to that? <laughs> right exactly right yes <laughs> yeah it's crazy it, and it, it it really speaks to and i just think of scenes in the movie where again with richard when you think about the scene where he comes home after the rainy practice and they've got the folks in the house and and you know we heard a disturbance or we heard that there are issues here it, it, it again speaks to his love for his family because they were like hey, we are hard on them because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. When you think about the interview later on in the film that Venus was doing with the, with the commentator and he had to step in and he was like, listen, don't, don't try to, to, to put your insecurities into this young lady. She's confident. She said what she said, let it be. And I just right. feel like those are so, so many just great points about Richard that showed again, that he was like you were saying see so he he had the right frame of mind it wasn't about the money it wasn't about all of that it was about family yeah. and it was about making sure that they were level good human beings as we pursued our plan i thought that yeah, was yeah. incredible I, I agree isaac and i want to underscore what precipitated that scene where the reporter kept asking venus why are you so confident venus won her first match as a professional at the bank of the west classic against a journey woman uh, Sean Stafford. Then she gets to play world number two 
not world number one as they depicted her in the movie. Roger Sanchez Vicario was world number two at the time. And a reporter asked Venus a question that any good journalist would ask. Do you think you can beat her? And Venus at 14, I know I can beat her. That comes from her parents, what they instilled in her. She's not there just to be seen. She's there believing I can beat anybody here. All right. So, so guys, I guess I would like to ask you, because we're talking about different, different points in the film, and um, I'm interested to know, are there any scenes where you were like, now they could have left that out, <laughs> or maybe it wasn't as, as you may have thought and or expected. So very curious to get your thoughts on, on a scene and or scenes that, you know, you may not have necessarily agreed with. I did not like the way the Venus Sarancha Sanchez Vicario match was portrayed. Now, Venus is up 6 2 3 1, which is a story in itself. That's the achievement, as far as I'm concerned. I remember I'm in New York, staying up late watching ESPN Sports Center and CNN Sports Tonight to try to find out what happened in Oakland. Venus is up 6 2 3 1 against a player who that year won the US Open and won the French Open and a few months later would become world number one. But the movie shows Arancha leaving the court at 6231, saying something to the umpire, walking off, walking down the corridor. That doesn't happen in tennis. You can't take a break like that in the middle of a set. You can take a bathroom break at the end of a set. Only if you have an injury can you then call for a trainer, as Serena did at Wimbledon this year when she tore her hamstring. Serena comes out, diagnoses the injury. Serena tried to play on at Wimbledon. She could not. But in this case, it's pure fiction to have Arancha leave the court at that time, trailing 6-2-3-1. Then she comes back and wins the last 11 games of the match, which strongly implies that the only reason Arancha beat Venus was because she pulled a dirty trick and Venus lost her momentum. When in fact, Arancha in 1994 was a better player than Venus. You don't have to sugarcoat that. You don't have to try to fake that up. Yeah, you know, Arancha in 1994 was number two in the world with two major titles that year. Venus was playing in her very first tournament. No shame in admitting that Arancha was better. So for me to criticize the scene, I had to, while I'm watching, going over in my mind, how would you have ended this movie? Yes, I would have included the Bank of the West because that was her first tournament. But the achievement of being up a set and a break against world number two, I thought that that should have been emphasized even more. And then uh, just less than a year later, Venus and her father are on the Oprah Winfrey show talking to the queen of television. So Venus is no longer just a little girl from Compton, now from Palm Beach, Florida. She is now a sports star. She is now a part of popular culture. Venus and Richard on the Oprah Winfrey show. That shows how far she and the family have come. I would have ended the movie there. Hmm. Interesting. I like your take on that. I like that, Cecil. Albert, how about you? Yeah, no, I mean, I think like to Cecil's point, there's nothing about their story that you need to make up or kind of embellish I mean it's such a great story with so many just just incredible moments that when we look back on and we're just like oh yeah that really actually did happen and I think that like it is interesting that you know I think it was the right move to really focus on this kind of like window or just like this time period um, that they did because as we know what happens after this fact after the you know the tournament in Oakland, I mean, there's just like so many other moments. Um, but I think that, you know, that last scene also did bother me, but it also just like felt like it was kind of like the obligatory action sequence, like in a Marvel movie, where it's just like this drawn out tennis match that just wasn't like Cecil said. I mean, the fact that like she was there and she won the first set and, you know, won that first match was just like, such a huge achievement. I mean, I did love sort of like that very quiet moment in the locker room um, with Orsine, Richard and, and Venus. And I do feel like those moments did really elevate it, um, you know, just kind of like above your typical sports movie. I do think that this was like 
um, better than your typical sports movie. It's it's not really a sports movie. It's kind of like a movie about parenting and family. And I thought like those little moments like that were were really good. I mean, the one thing that I felt was maybe missing was sort of maybe, you know, it's a pretty straightforward film. You know, it doesn't really get too messy with some of um, the controversies and even so, sort of like the pushback from the tennis establishment, you know, as we know, there was a, light, a lot of resentment from just whether it was other players or just like the establishment in general. And maybe a lot of that didn't really kind of come to the surface until later, but I felt like that was missing a little bit. And there was some opportunity to just like, you know, there were just some, some very tough, difficult um, and ugly moments when it came to Serena and Venus and, and the Williams family. And it just didn't get, you know, um, get to those points really um and you know i i know you're kind of limited in terms of like you're trying to tell a story about florida in this specific time period but it just like felt like in terms of this family and this story it was missing that component that that's why we need to see a movie about venus and a movie about serena not one movie mm-hmm. about both of them they've yeah. had separate arcs separate lives we can get into the bump heard around the tennis world, which didn't happen until 1997. We can get around to Elena Dementieva speculating aloud, oh, Richard will decide who wins when they play. That was 2001. We can get into the worst officiated tennis match I've ever seen, the 2004 US Open quarterfinals, when Serena was jobbed against Jennifer Capriati, and it was so bad that the USTA issued a public apology to Serena the next day, and that was the impetus for the video replay that came in in 2006. And we can get into so many other things. Justine Anna in 2003 at the French Open raising her hand, I'm not ready. And the umpire, I don't know what the hell he's doing. It's his job who's <laughs> supposed to see that. Right. But he's instead asking Justine, did you put your hand up? And she doesn't have the grace, the, the common decency to say, yes, I put my hand up. The first serve should be a let. And instead, Serena is whistled and hissed off the court at the French Open because Justine Anna lied and the umpire was not competent enough to see that Justine. There are so many other things that have happened in the careers of these two sisters that can be put in separate movies. King Richard, I think it's a smart decision to end it in 1994. But again, I don't like the way they faked up the Venus Arancha match. They could have told the truth about that match. Venus wasn't ready to beat Arancha yet. But a few years later, Venus won seven of the 10 matches between those two. And Cecil, I can't believe you named all those moments and you didn't name Indian Wells. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Elena Elena Dementieva, that's where she said Venus, that's where she said Richard will decide. So I I didn't (laughs) mention it, but it it happened there. Because Venus Venus had beaten Dementieva. And that's where she made that comment. Yeah. So yeah, there's there are so many others that that happen along along the way that um need to be shown on the big screen, and not documentaries are fine. I love documentaries, but mm-hmm. a feature film about Venus, a feature film about Serena, we need to see that in the years to come. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. How do you guys feel the film is being received just by audiences and and and, and being critiqued overall? Have, have you gone out, looked at reviews, and and, and just interested in, in how you think the general audience, as well as criti- as well as those who do critique um, as a living, are are really uh, looking at this particular film? I, I like that most critics I've read realize that this is better than the typical sports movie that's in almost every review i've read because it is better you know the they the young the girls look like they can play tennis you know you hate it when the star can't hit can't throw can't pitch or or when the director has shoeless joe jackson batting right-handed when they actually batted left-handed you know, things like that they're just so easy to get right but they still get it wrong I find that in a lot of reviews, though, they're reviewing Will Smith more than the movie. Hmm. And unfortunately, Will Smith's performance is strong, but I can recall the Washington Post article that is really about Will, Will Smith's comeback. That's how that particular critic saw it, because he's had some movies that were disappointing at the box office in okay. recent years. And now this is one that should do well, 
at the box office. It opened uh, number four uh, when, when it came out. And I think this will get Will Smith a Best Actor nomination, if not a Best Actor Oscar. But there's more to it. Anjanou Ellis's performance is not uh-huh. reviewed as widely. It, does not, it, it doesn't figure as prominently in most of the reviews that I've read. A lot of it focuses on, oh, with, this is Will Smith's comeback film. Yeah, and um, you know, I it's uh, the the reviews have yeah they the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive. There's no question about it. I mean, this movie you know was available on streaming, <laughs> so it's really hard to measure um, its success purely on on box office. So, um, but what's really interesting is I think it's it's very much an Oscar movie. I, I don't think there's any question. I, I've been following it pretty closely and. Will Smith and Anjanou Ellis both won a pretty significant sort of award a couple of days ago that is sort of like a precursor to, you know, whether or not they're going to get um, an Oscar nomination. I, I, you know, it would be absolutely shocking if um, they both don't get nominations. Um, a few people have mentioned that the girls should get nominated as well. I would not be opposed to that at all, but that seems like um, a lot of awards thrown that way. But I think this movie will be nominated for Best Picture. And I think like Will Smith will be nominated and Anjanou Ellis will be nominated. And I think both of those two actors will have a very good chance to win. And I think like when that happens, I think like um, there's gonna be a second wave of interest in this movie. And I think like when, you know, the whole like Oscar campaign is ramped up again in February and March, um, you're gonna be hearing a lot about King Richard um, in those weeks leading up to the Oscars. So um, I think it's, I'm, I've frankly been very surprised at just how overwhelmingly well received this movie has been. And, you know, it's great because it, it brings attention to uh, the sport that we love, but also the story <laughs> that deserves just like, uh, you know, I think like it's, it's an incredible story. So, um, so yeah, it, it's great to see how this movie has been received, I do think by like it, it's gonna be it's it's gonna have a long shelf life. I think like I think there's gonna be a second wave of, att- of attention next year. And I've also heard that Warner Brothers is doing the full push um, for this for the whole Oscar um, nomination piece. So yeah, and Will yeah. Smith has never won, so I think like that will be a big part of this narrative uh, leading up to the Oscars is that. You know, Will Smith finally deserves to win his his uh, his Oscar, and um, you know we can uh, take this performance head to head with his Ali performance. But I, I think mm-hmm. like it just feels like the time for Will Smith to get his Oscar, and you know I think yeah, I mean he deserves it. He he did a really great job with this. You know, speaking of Anjanou, um, and I was not there, so I'm just going off of what I read, but I heard at the premiere in Los Angeles, that scene when Oracine goes across the street to talk to the neighbor after mm-hmm. she called the police, mm-hmm. I heard that there was standing applause in the theater yeah. <laughs> after yeah. that scene. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. hopefully that's yeah. some sort of indicator in terms of people really are recognizing, yeah. you know, the role that she she did yeah. uh, in that portrayal. Yeah, as as the son of a black woman who has been known <laughs> to say, "Don't make me come back over here again." Right. And that resonates. That resonates. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my goodness. No, but it's a it's a feel good movie. Like it's just it like it it. I, I feel like this movie feels kind of like old school. Like it doesn't <laughs> feels like a mo- a throwback a little bit. Like you don't see right. movies like this anymore where it's just like a very solidly straightforward like compelling drama about a family and i think right. that, like it's an inspiring story and like you know what orsine and richard did was incredible and i think that like um it, this movie this you know their approach to this movie could have gone a lot of different ways and i think like right. the fact that they really made a conscious decision to make it about family right. and like moments like that moment where Orson goes across the street <laughs> was really, you know, they didn't could have gone a different way. And I think like they, they really made a lot of smart choices. So I think that, um, and that's why I think like the more, you know, word of mouth is going to be good. And I think like it does, um, I think more and more people will just see it. 
Well, and I think family is the, the critical piece here. I mean, some people have watched this movie and have said it's more of a family movie than it is actually a tennis movie. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is that I loved in the movie how they showed it wasn't just about Richard working with Venus and Serena. It was always the entire family, right? You had the older sisters out there, you know, picking up balls. You had, it was a, a family um, activity in terms of trying to prepare Venus and Serena. In real life, we also know that the family was completely behind the film. I think Isha Price, uh, who was one of the executive directors, was the first person to read the script and to tell Oracine that this was promising. You know, we know that Lindrea was involved in the costume and wardrobe uh, portion of the film. Uh, Venus and Serena were executive producers. Uh, can you speak a little bit about how they have used a family approach on really everything uh, we've seen? Yeah, th that's consistent with what the Williams family has done. I mean, the success of Venus and Serena is the most successful family project in sports history. So, and they simply extended that to telling the story of Richard Williams on screen. Having the family involved is a, is a great touch. I saw Serena on Jimmy Kimmel a few weeks ago where she said Isha was on set every day. So that's important just to have that, that family input. And I think that showed to me the scene where Oracine and Richard are talking and Oracine basically says, do you think I'm staying here just because of you? I'm staying here for, for these girls. My faith dictates that I stay with you, but I'm not here strictly because of you. And I just feel like that's the, had to be the input of Isha, Venus, and Serena, giving their mother their due in that respect. So, okay, it's called King Richard. Orsine's name is not in the title, but she's much more than a supporting player in the life story of these girls. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, little touches like that kitchen scene. Um, and then like Orsine is like, um, yeah, who was it, Richard, who like fixed Serena's serve or there was a comment like <laughs> uh -huh. that. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Just like that was such a great, and it, it just, that probably happened. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it did make me really nervous when I heard that Venus and Serena were executive producers in this. I mean, I think like you really wondered if this was just going to be a pretty, sugar-coated kind of like Disney-fied movie and but it it didn't feel like that at all it just like felt sort of like you know the house and everything just like felt lived in and real and just like the photos on the you know the refrigerator felt like those were probably you know like I just like little touches like that and so you did feel the family's involvement but I think in a very very good way like but it could have gone a different direction where, you know, it, you just felt like this was, it just like didn't get in, like in terms of like the depth that was sort of like a um, really sort of like hampered that. But I, I do think like having Serena and Venus and, and the whole family's uh, input, I thought you could feel it, but yeah, absolutely in a good way. Now I will say this, I was a little disappointed that the story did not start earlier in Richard's life. Um, Richard and I are actually from the same hometown, Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh -huh. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit, even if it was like a flashback type scene, right? A little bit about that. I would have liked to have seen when he met Orsine, what, around in 1979. Yeah. That would have been a nice uh, little ad there. Of course, there's only, what, so much time in a movie, right? So I know you have to pick and choose. But obviously, in the press, we've been hearing a lot now about at least seven other of Richard's kids, which, you know, just basically got a passing mention yeah. in that kitchen scene yeah. with Oracine. Um, what do you guys think about that and, and you know, the decision to, to maybe minimize that and, and if there's been any response in the press uh, to the other family members that weren't as involved. I, I think when a movie like this comes out, it will compel many journalists to dig into it and fact or fiction type stories will continue to surface. 
And yeah, it is touched on in the movie when Orsine mentions that uh, Richard's son just shows up at the front door and there are probably more than just one before he met Orsine. And those stories are going to come out, but I don't believe it's going to influence whether voters decide this movie is worthy of an Oscar nomination or not. You know, certain films can be sunk by egregious historical errors. And, you know, I don't see an egregious historical error in the movie, even though, you know, Rancho Sanchez Vicario does not come off well and she didn't deserve to be sort of indirectly smeared that way. She didn't need to cheat to be Venus when Venus was 14. But leaving that aside, um, I would have loved to have seen a scene where I mean, Richard met Orsine when she was waiting for a bus. That would have been a sweet scene to recreate mm-hmm. in, in a flashback. That's how they met. They're, right. just, they're sitting there talking. Oh, you're a nurse? And oh, I, you know, just have that in, in the flashback. Also, the scenes in Shreveport, I have on my shelf Richard's book, Black and White as I See It. He <laughs> saw, he endured some horrific things in, the, in, in, in Louisiana growing up. Flashbacks could have been used to inform Richard's decisions later on, especially when he was dealing with what I will call the gangbangers. Uh-huh. One scene where he's you know, punched in the head and his five daughters have to see their father punched in the head and he can't respond, otherwise they kill him. And then there are two other scenes. I thought they were a bit gratuitous, but they wanted to, the filmmakers wanted to point out that Camden, that, that, that Compton is a dangerous place. What I felt like I got it after the first scene. I didn't need to right. see him go get a gun to go confront the gangbangers, but oh, a drive-by shooter got him first. So now I just got to tiptoe out of here. Yeah. Or yeah. hitting, you hit a, if I grew up in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, which is not all that different from Compton. So I could relate. I, I would say Bed-Stuy was Compton without tennis courts. <laughs> yeah. Nobody where I grew up could play tennis. We, there were no courts, but the scene where Richard hits one of the gangbangers in the head with a tennis racket. Then his boys jump him, beat him down, stomp him. And suddenly the gangbanger who got hit in the head with a tennis racket now has a gun pressed against Richard's temple. In the real world where I, where I grew up in a neighborhood very much like Compton, Richard Williams would have been gone. He would not have survived that. So that's a an example where they went for something excessively dramatic that did mm-hmm. not ring true to me because of where I grew up in a neighborhood very much like Compton. I would have preferred to have seen the tender scene of when Richard met Orsine. I think it's a great point, Bryce. Right. I wanted to see that. And flashbacks of how Richard grew up in Louisiana because those experiences, it's not enough for him, for me to, for him to say in the bus, oh, they, they never respected Richard Williams but they're gonna respect y'all. Okay, nice scene, but it could have been stronger. Show us what Richard had to deal with in Shreveport. And again, if you've read his autobiography, it's horrific. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the 10 episode Netflix version of this, you just have an entire episode <laughs> you know, in Shreveport. And it's probably not enough because like the Shreveport um, part of Richard's story. I mean, yeah, it's just, um, he just went through a lot. And I think that, you know, that's the, they just had to streamline this, you know, with all these flashbacks we're talking about. Yeah, I, it sounds like we went, went into like a four hour movie, but. Right, right. No, eliminate the gangbanger scenes and yeah. substitute yeah. when when Richard right. met or a scene, just you're swapping out one scene to put in something that gives more depth to the relationship, why Orosine married him in the first place. We just see them married, but to show us mm. that scene when they met and what they talked about at the bus stop, that would inform us as to why she married him in the first place. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what? We have just so enjoyed this conversation and I just feel like on our own, it probably continue for another hour. <laughs> but um, one of the things that we wanna do just to to wrap this up and we thank you Cecil and Albert so very much You're for welcome. joining us today. Um, I, I just want you to give us your last kind of thoughts on the film and, and really have, have your thoughts directed towards somebody maybe who hasn't seen the film yet or somebody who's on the ledge of, do I go see this? Do I watch this or not? I'm not really a tennis fan, you know, and, and Isaac, I include you in this as well. So um, Cecil, what would you say? 
I would say anyone who is thinking about seeing the film should see it because it tells the story of the greatest sibling act in sports history. And it is a family story. You don't have to be a tennis fan. In fact, they fake up that Venus Arantxa scene so much that, you know, you don't really need to know what went on because they're telling you an alternative version of what went on. The real story for me is the family, the love of father and mother for their two daughters and the big dreams they had for them, the plan they had for them to achieve those big dreams as complete outsiders from the tennis world. Can't emphasize that enough. So many black people go through junior tennis and you don't hear from them again. Things like the black draw or your match starts at 11. You show up at 11, your match was at 10. You defaulted, sorry. I mean, so many things that the Williams family did not have to deal with long-term because Richard saw through it. I've got uh -huh. a better way. And as a result of Richard's plan, you see that Naomi Osaka's father did the same thing with his two daughters. And uh -huh. Coco Goff's parents did the same thing with her. And Richard Williams established a blueprint that other tennis families of color are following. You, you see this movie, you see the origin of that. It, it didn't happen in a vacuum. Naomi Osaka came up the way she did because her father, Leonard Francois, told me the blueprint is already there. I just had to follow it. Richard Williams provided the blueprint. That's why this movie is so important. Excellent, excellent point. Albert. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the impressive thing about this movie is that it's, it's satisfying for, you know, us who have been following the story for since the 90s and since the family came onto the scene. But I do think that it is ultimately for a broad audience. And I think that anyone who vaguely is aware of the Williams family, but you know, wants to learn more, but wants to know why they're important, I think like this is a, a good start. Um, I do think that what's most powerful is, you know, as a dad of a seven-year-old, I think like I could really relate in terms of just, um, just, you know, it's a really, and for, you know, my relationship with my parents in terms of just like sacrifices and how you put sort of your dreams and hopes into your kids. And that's ultimately what this movie is about. And I do think that, um, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. And I think like that's, it's a very powerful message in that regard. And, um, you know, it's a testament to, the filmmakers, but I, I think ultimately the performances um, were really excellent. So, yeah, I mean, I think everyone should see this movie. I think a lot of people are going to love this movie. Isaac. <laughs> uh, well, you know, everything that Cecil and Albert said are spot on. And, and what I would say to just the general audience person, if you will, that's not into tennis. If you're a parent, I feel like you should go and see this film because of a lot of the really important points that Richard made just in regards to how he was raising them up. Remember, on the junior circuit, you see all these tennis parents, you see the kids not wanting to accept trophies, throwing rackets, doing all this craziness. And he was like, we will be humble. I loved when he got them all back at the house and showed them that movie and was like, what did you get out of this? And what you got out of it was the humility that you have to be humble. You have to appreciate the things that you have. And I feel that, you know, again, with kids that are coming up, a lot of things are taken for granted. And I feel as though they really had a good grasp of the things that they were, you know, that what they were, what the parents were doing and what they were trying to achieve. And again, I just love the fact that it was about really bringing up good human beings. Take away color, take away any of that stuff, they were about bringing up good human beings. And for that reason alone, you all should go and check out this film. Bryce, what about you, bro? <laughs> what else can I say? I mean, you three closed it up. I mean, um, if no other reason, uh, then it's a good way to spend a couple hours. It's very entertaining. You don't have to be like, I think Cecil said, you know, you don't have to be a tennis fan. You don't have to be a tennis historian to follow the story and to enjoy it. And I totally agree. I think they killed it with the portrayals of the characters. Um, you know, I hope they have 
incredible success um, come award season. But um, if look, if you're listening to our show, there is no reason why you should not go see uh, this movie. So anyway, uh, like I said, we are so thankful to have had Cecil Harris and Albert Albert Chen, uh, Chen, sorry, on our uh, show today. And, you know, your guys' insight was incredible. Uh, I know our listeners are going to appreciate it. Uh, and we hope uh, to talk to you again on future uh, tennis items. So thank you guys. We really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting Thanks. us. No Thanks. No worries. Thanks so much. Thank you. So, and to our listeners, uh, we're going to have more King Richard stuff that we're bringing to you. So uh, continue to stay tuned for that. But on behalf of the podcast, this has been your boy, Bryce. And this is your boy, Isaac. And we are Brothers on Tennis. Everyone stay safe out there.